Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Real Vision, we're closing the doors. But not how you might think. You see, this autumn we're launching the new Real Vision, a platform built around the universal truth that knowledge times tools times network equals success, your success. It's the biggest transformation in our history and brings together everything you need in your journey from information to knowledge to wisdom, all in one place. That's incredible AI, charting tools, networking, economic data, watch lists, notes, and a whole ton more. We start rolling out to our current members at the end of August, and from August the 15th, we're closing the doors to any new members while we focus on that. But you do have one final chance to get in that door. Until August the 15th, you can level up for a whole quarter of Real Vision just for the price of $20.14. When you go to realvision.com forward slash last chance, you'll see why we chose that price in particular. It's something about Real Vision of old. You'll get to experience the new platform before the general public with no obligation to stay after that three months and a price that works out for like $6 a month. It's what you call a no-brainer. Anyway, I hope to see you on Real Vision. It's an incredible community and my God, this new platform is going to be extraordinary and will change as many lives as possible. That's realvision.com forward slash last chance. What's up, guys? It's Ash Bennington. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Joining me today is the one and only Rao Pal, co-founder and CEO of Real Vision. Rao, welcome back to the show. Always good to be here. Always good. And it's an auspicious one as well. Indeed it is. Always good to have you. Rao, as you know, as always, we listen to our community. And based on that feedback, we're making some changes to the Real Vision Crypto and Real Vision Crypto Pro platform. We're pivoting away from crypto shows five days a week. That's because the demand for our Real Vision Pro Crypto, Pro Crypto All Access community has been so strong. In the new world, the new Real Vision, there will be a new free membership, but it's going to change, including a new show, of course, with you, Rao, that we're going to be talking about here today. As you've said, Rao, for a long time, crypto is macro, macro is crypto, and our new content is going to reflect that. If you're wondering what if something happens in crypto, don't worry. We'll still be doing regular updates, and you'll see more of crypto on the Real Vision Daily Briefing show and on Twitter spaces as well, which I'm going to be hosting. Excited about that. Rao, what's behind this vision? When we first started Real Vision, we integrated crypto content. And that continued where we took people on the journey of knowledge. We were the first people to do this. And we integrated it and said, look, here's the old system. Here's the new system. One's broken. One's very new and volatile. But let's teach you about both. When we got to 2020, crypto and macro merged, which was my hypothesis where suddenly people realized, oh my God, central bank printing, blah, blah, blah. Crypto became a very key part of the equation. So there's a lot of people who joined crypto who just wanted to get 
to grips with what was going on there. As we developed, we found that the knowledge base of crypto new people and macro people, at one point they used to be, oh, we don't want anything to do with this crypto stuff. And the others were like, this macro stuff doesn't matter. Everybody's now learned in 2023 and 2022 and 2021 and 2020 that these are all the same worlds. Right. So we're like, we should lean into this because we are the truly only people who live at the that nexus between crypto macro technology because two of these are secular trends within the macro space and they're all part of the same conversation so we want to integrate it properly so everybody understands all sides of this exciting new world the broken world we're in and some of the opportunities within the traditional world as well within this larger framework and then also it's because we do have a super engaged group in pro crypto and pro all access is we want to make sure we lean into them even more with more defined content so then they're getting extraordinary amount because those are the people who are really focused on this area so we'll yeah. do that much like we do with pro macro super deliver on that but for everybody else it'll go across everywhere and for those of you who just watch this for free ash will be on real vision daily briefings bringing the crypto stories or the crypto people that matter when they matter and the analysis that counts. And in addition, there'll be a new show for myself, uh, which is actually called The Journeyman, which is an amalgamation of all of my shows, which will be free as well, and a bunch of other initiatives. So there's a lot coming, there's a lot of changes coming, but everybody should get more out of it and have a more holistic 360 degree view of how this all fits together. Yeah, Raul, exactly right. We are really the only people who are truly natives of both of these spaces on the macro and crypto side. You can get one or the other, but not both anywhere else. And I think that's really a core competency and strength uh, of what we do. Uh, yeah, it's also what we stand for, Ash, is we believe that this new technology has a role in changing the financial system and maybe how value is exchanged, stored, transacted on the internet itself. And so we have to treat this as, as a bigger, cohesive, single thing, because that's certainly how I see it. And I know a lot of others do as well. Yeah, I, I see it the same way. This is a system that is integrating, uh, and you can't really talk about them separate from each other because that's the way the world is moving. It's, I mean, it's just very clear. No matter what solution uh, we wind up in, no matter what kind of exact permutation the future looks like, these are going to be much more integrated uh, digital systems that we're going to be dealing with. And it's totally appropriate to, to talk about it, I think, in that context. So lots more crypto coming on Real Vision Daily Briefing. Twitter <laughs> and also, spaces. obviously, the people who are more into <clears throat> NFT communities, which still is a macro, it's an asset that's there's actually lagged in terms of price versus the ETH economy. But we have the, and we'll talk about it later, we have the Real Vision Collective and the Genesis NFT community for those truly Web3 natives. So the crypto natives of the pro product, the Web3 natives, and everybody else who's learning it all fits in with the others. Well, you know, Ralph, since you bring it up, another quick announcement uh, about the Mint for season two of the Real Vision Collective. The Mint was supposed to wrap up today, but we've heard from a number of folks who are on summer vacation away from your cold wallets and are unable to mint if you would like to. So we're going to give you all a chance. We're going to extend the Mint until Wednesday, August 16th at 9 p.m. We've also added a few new twists to this extension, which you can read all about on our Discord, our Telegram, and of course, Twitter. You can mint an NFT by heading over to realvision.com forward slash collective realvision.com forward slash collective. Ral, tell us a little bit more about season two and how you think about it. 
So one of my hypotheses is that we've seen this tribalism occur in bizarrely in, in layer one protocols like I'm an Ethereum person, I'm a Bitcoin person, you're that person, never the twain shall meet. It's right. frankly ludicrous, but that's where it is. And I saw that Web3 was very different. So that's the world of NFTs and how the application of, of smart contract and maybe DeFi as well was different. And it was much more broadly engaging with more people. And we thought, you know, we can lean into this because we believe in this overall, that we should not be tribal. We've all got stuff to learn from each other. So the Real Vision Collective was to create a place for everybody in Web3 to live their lives, depending, regardless of where they are in their journey. And really, that community came alive in ways we didn't imagine, um, with sub-communities, but really everybody there's a learner. They want to help each other. And there's some unbelievable people in that community. I mean, some serious people, and also people who are just early on their journey, and they go into those discords or the telegrams and ask advice and thoughts, and everyone's swapping ideas. It's, it's super amazing. And that was a mashup between a whole bunch of different artworks from different famous NFTs like Damien Hurst and MFers and uh, X-Copy Art and all this amazing stuff. So season two is the follow-on. Season one came a whole bunch of um, benefits like you know extended subscriptions for Real Vision, a bunch of stuff. Season two gets you into the community, gets you into those channels. It's a lot cheaper. It's only 0.069 ETH. Uh, it's very cheap for what it is get you into the communities, get you networked in. We've got the Real Vision token-gated content, all of this stuff. So that's amazing. But also, there's a bit of fun to be had as well. It's like I always say that, well, people remember back in, whenever it was, November 2021, I bought a bunch of ETH calls. I put 5% of my portfolio in ETH calls and went for it. And I think I've heard about this on Twitter, Rob. Yeah, you might well have done. And spectacularly, it called the top of the market and the ETH calls expired worthless. Also, I have explained that NFTs are a call option on ETH if they're ETH NFTs, because the price of ETH goes up and the NFT can either exceed it or mirror it or underperform it. But either way, if you get that bet right, you can actually make... So if ETH goes up 5x and your NFT doubles in ETH terms, you make 10x, right? So they're very interesting assets. So I've always said NFTs are a call option on ETH. I've also got a view that maybe, and maybe I'm jinxing it by saying it, but there's a chance we have a good bull run into the end of the year as interest rates stop rising, as the ETF launches, maybe the ETH futures ETF launches. So we thought, how can we have some fun with this to gamify it? And what we did was something called the everything option. 5% of the proceeds of the NFT buys a call option on ETH, a 3,000 strike December 31st call option. That, if ETH goes past 3,000, could be worth quite a lot of money. Um, yeah, hundreds of thousands, if not more. And we will then give it away as a grand prize. So anybody who's a token holder has a chance of participating in this special prize. So there's a lot of fun to be had with that. The new artwork, we just had it on screen, a lot of fun, another mashups with a bunch of different communities from Nakamigos to crypto dick butts. It's all there. So the artwork's great. It's a lot of fun. The special rarity traits, 
the ability for collectors to continue to collect the rarity traits in different seasons to get into the super premium uh, visionaries club that is coming out sometime next year. So lots of fun to be had. It's there as a community primarily, but with also a bit of gamification for the hell of it. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Well, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but there's so much to talk about. You touched on The Journeyman, your new show that you're going to be doing in front of the paywall on uh, on the uh, YouTube channel. Talk a little bit about that, the free content that people are going to be getting out there. So I've had three shows on Real Vision. One was um, The Exponential Age, which was about the secular trend of technology, where we're we're hitting the exponential acceleration point. The other was The Journeyman, where I journey through macro to get an understanding of where we are in the world. And the other one was Rails Adventures in Crypto, where I journey through the crypto landscape to learn about the future. Really, these are all the same thing. This is how I think. And I'm like, well, why don't I put this together as one super show that is positioned primarily for a free audience, adds value to all our members as well, where I interview the most amazing people on these kind of topics. I'll probably add in some wellness and other stuff as well, just to make it an interesting, diverse learning journey that everybody can come with me because I'm just learning and they come with me. My analysis stays behind the paywall. So when I do analysis in macro, in, in macro and in, in, in pro macro and anywhere else stays behind the paywall, but me interviewing the most amazing people in the world, and my God, I've interviewed everybody from bloody Steve Aoki to... Mike Novogratz to Punk6529 to, you know, Emad Mostak to a guy who's who's came out of NASA and is running a VC fund about space investment to, I mean, you name it. We've I've had some amazing people. So I want to make super quality, take everybody with me on my journey as the journeyman. And then on the Real Vision platform, that's when you get access to my broader, deeper thinking. And, and by the way, talking of the Real Vision platform, we just did an AMA about this yesterday. Uh, obviously, something that's expanding uh, and improving quite a great deal uh, in the next couple of months here. Talk a little bit about what we're doing there and really about the community that's going to be on the Real Vision platform uh, rather than uh, the content we're talking about in front. So the platform brings together what we think is the universal truth, which is knowledge times tools times network equals success, your success. And the knowledge is what Real Vision provides. We've always provided knowledge, but we've created a platform to integrate knowledge in new and exciting ways where you can take notes, where you can go through transcripts and use AI to help summarize information, get it to you faster. Um, There's a lot of power within the knowledge center of what we're doing. We're also gonna save people time by amalgamating things together, giving it back in the AI format, shorter format, easy ways of digesting it, uh, machine learning recommendations so you get exactly what you want. The tools side, well, that's pricing, charting. And for some of the tiers, 
some very powerful portfolio analysis and risk management tools uh, where you can manage your wealth in real time and understand what you're doing. Uh, AI, more AI tools come to that. So that becomes explainers. You can click on anything on a transcript. It'll explain what reverse repo is in seconds and anything else that you need. You can ask it to explain like your five or like your 10. And then I think the multiplier is network. So network is where if you've got the tools and the knowledge, your network is where it comes alive. That's where the opportunity comes from. That's where the support, the learn, the real learning comes from. So we've built this incredible new Real Vision network tool that allows members to connect all around the world, find each other via profiles, message each other, arrange meetups, do all the things that you want to do, which will end up becoming an expert network. So we've already got some community networks. One is the Real Vision Genesis NFT group. They talk to each other. They've got their own Discord. They arrange meetups. They do all sorts of cool stuff. The Real Vision Collective, that's another one. And then we've just formed the RVIP Club, which is for people who really want that tight integration. They want to invest together. They really want, you know, they want to have private dinners in, in nice places. They want to really, really dig in to the network value and add value to the network. Right. And we're going to facilitate more and more of this network activity. I think we can create expert networks. I think we can create, you know, employment opportunities. There's so many things that's going to come out of this Real Vision network that just doesn't, doesn't appear anywhere else. It just doesn't work like this. It's like if... If LinkedIn and Twitter worked in that way, <laughs> but they don't. But they don't. So we're on more of you on YouTube, which is a great thing. Your analysis on platform, also on the Real Vision platform, these enhanced network community features that we're working on. And that I'm personally very excited about. It's going to be really cool. We've done the demos uh, on Real Vision. We've encouraged people to come and, and check it out. By the way, I should say, as we're talking about the Real Vision platform, this is the last chance to sign up for Real Vision for a while. This is an interesting thing. We're going to be closing the doors on Monday to focus on a big upgrade to the platform that Raul and I have just been talking about here. Uh, until then, you can sign up for our essential membership for $20.14 for three months. Go to realvision.com forward slash last chance. That's realvision.com forward slash last yeah, and chance. This is a lot of people watch these shows for free and we're grateful and you're part of our community. We're building something truly extraordinary that will give you a superpower, that journey from information to knowledge to wisdom. And that's what you get from Real Vision. It's gonna give you the confidence and understanding to navigate, whether it's the crypto markets, the financial markets, your own business, life in general, that's what Real Vision is gonna superpower you. And this deal, it's a 60% discount. It costs nothing. The amount of knowledge you get for 20 bucks is beyond comprehension. And I know in a world of free content, people say, well, why the hell should I pay for that? You have no understanding what, you're not, what you haven't seen yet. And also, the platform is not content. The platform is an entirely new way of living your financial life that will revolutionize how you gain knowledge, how you store your knowledge, the tools that you need to build your knowledge, and then a network that doesn't exist. A super powerful global network of members in about 120 countries who are all experts in something, and they all want to help each other. Yeah, Raul, you tease this a little bit here when you talk about how you store your knowledge. This is something that we're very excited about that we're working on on the platform, uh, this idea of having a single place where you can store all of your knowledge. There's the potential uh, that we're working on right now, literally today, uh, to build AI into that platform, to share, to distill, uh, to, in other ways, uh, find ways of integrating this knowledge throughout the network. That's right. So 
at a basic level, you can take your own notes. Okay, that's not groundbreaking, but it is because you have to keep it on your Evernote or some other note-keeping system, and it's different to where you watch Real Vision and different to where you do your charting. And so everything's all, all over the place. Brings that together. But these notes are really integrated in. You can just clip something from a transcript. It'll turn it into a note. It'll reference it to the original piece of content, put it into your library. You can sort it in the library. The SEO will show it, all of your notes, categorize them, do what you want. We're then building some templates. The first template will be a trade idea template, which is vital for people to understand how to be a better investor. So have a simple investment template. This is my idea. This is my entry level. This is my exit level. Here's my stop loss. This is why I did it. Where am I wrong? You can put your chart in there. You can put all supporting evidence, and then you can monitor your trade. To, help, to hold yourself accountable to your trades is a superpower when it comes to investing, and it really does drive returns. It's a lesson I learned early in my career in a hedge fund where somebody came in and said, listen, you're new to the hedge fund investing business. I know you know markets, but doing this is the one superpower, is write down your reasons for the trade, when you got in, where you're exiting, everything else. And if something changes, keep referencing that. So people have those, but I think in the future, people can share them as well. Right. So we're not ready for that on launch. And in fact, I don't think the template will be ready on launch. But either way, the ability to share these notes. So now the community is helping the community with the most amazing ideas. Can you copy people's trades? Can you do stuff? It's going to open a lot of opportunities of what we can do together as a network. And we're looking at how we can get involved in creating on-chain trading leagues, which we've already done, been testing out um, with the Real Vision Collective community and the Genesis community. But we're thinking, how do we supercharge that? How do we create hive mind voting around asset allocation so we can create something really interesting? So there's a lot to come here. Uh, it's really, really exciting. And the note taking is like a really important part because then everything you need in finance, whether it's a YouTube video you've watched that you want to store, a PDF, some notes, everything else is all in one place. So you just click on your Real Vision experience, everything's there. Um, so it's going to take time to build this all out, but it's coming. Yeah, I mean, one of the tricky things when you're building something that's truly new, that's never been done before, is it's actually hard to describe, right? I think about it almost as Evernote meets Real Vision content, meets Facebook for integration, sharing, and community, uh, meets the Real Vision community, the base of people that we have. And when you pull all of those things together and you add in AI uh, as a component that can start to distill and enhance and amplify that value, it starts to look really interesting in a way that almost nobody can predict, right? Because it's never been done before. No, that's right. It really is different. Um, and because people think, oh, just a platform to look at your prices. It's not that at all. It's really a way, uh, it's a way to live your financial life that gives you the highest chances of success. Look, investing, whether it's in crypto or traditional markets, is a lonely pursuit People talk about it on Twitter, but there people aren't honest with themselves. And, you know, people, are, there's too much emotional driven stuff. What we want is a supportive group of people that can go through this journey together and figure out how to be better at what we do. Obviously, Real Vision has education embedded in the plus tier. That's the knowledge level. Um, so that's level two. So we have three levels. Level one is essential. Level two is plus, which is essential is information plus his knowledge, and level three, that's the pro tiers, and that's all about wisdom. And that journey, we're going to take you through all the way. So at first, you just kind of watch some content, try and understand what's going on. 
then it's like, okay, how do I turn this information to knowledge? And then how do I turn this knowledge into wisdom? If we can do that for as many people as possible, we'll change people's lives. And the platform does that. Hey, everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Talking of which, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in the bond market. Uh, This week, our sister show, Real Vision Daily Briefing, uh, we had a big divide between the bond bulls and the bond bears who think there is a risk that bond yields could head higher, possibly as high as 5%. Uh, Let's take a listen to this clip. And I think that 10-year yields are going to be lower than 3% in three to six months, for sure. Today was the peak in yields. Shocked. I'm not rolling out if there's a shock and and we have a, you know, like a 10% down day in the market mm. that people won't run to treasuries and that they'll get a pop. But I think their ultimate destination is uh, TLT under 90, 88, 86, and the 10-year 49, 5%. On the long end, I still think it is delusional. I think we can go to 5% very easily. I actually think we will get there and we'll get there in a couple of days. I don't know when that's gonna hit, uh, but when it hits, it's gonna be like the guild market. Everyone thinks that the bond market is gonna be this ballast to their portfolio. And, I, and I've been arguing that it's gonna be the anchor that drags it down. I think the primary risk that people need to be positioning for is the risk that the Fed declares victory too soon. So to me, the setup is right for oil to come alive here. And this is just going to be a regeneration of the great rotation, which really traded all the way back to where it started. Lots of people asking your opinion on this, obviously, because of the broad anticipation uh, of rates going lower uh, and bond yields dropping. What are your thoughts? Well, don't listen to me because I've been wrong. But, um, you know, I've thought bond yields will come lower. And I've spent a long time actually thinking about this. I said that flippantly, but actually I spent a long time thinking about this because all of the business cycle indicators, all of the inflation, forward-looking inflation indicators, all of the unemployment uh, indicators are all suggesting that bond yields should come down and that inflation continues to fall both at core level and at headline level and that unemployment continues to slowly grind higher. So why are bonds not suggesting that? You know, while equity markets already started pricing in the fact that there's more liquidity in the system. And I think it's down to supply. I think it's really down to supply because the Fed have, the Treasury has to issue a lot of bonds to finance both the interest payments from the bonds that are coming from maturity, set at higher rates, and the new borrowings that they have. The bond market is already trying to absorb a bunch of this stuff, um, and there's just not the ability to absorb it all. So supply is pushing yields higher uh, for the time being as the Treasury rebuilds its coffers. The issue is there's about $6 trillion of debt maturing between now and the end of the year. What the Fed have been, what the Treasury have been doing is issuing short dated notes generally to, to finance it. The reason they're doing that is they don't want to lock in 5% rates because before you know it, the budget deficit explodes higher. Right. So there's a game that I think they're playing here is the Federal Reserve have to, and all the central banks are doing the same game because I think they're all in cohorts, part of this everything code theory. They are going to try and hold this rates up as, as long as possible to make sure inflation undershoots. Because when it undershoots, they have the cover 
to cut rates back down to trend rate of GDP growth, which is like 1.75%. So I think um, I think the narrative will break by Q4 when we'll start to see the Fed cutting aggressively. In the meantime, does the yield do yields go higher? I don't know. I'm watching them closely. There's a risk that they do, and I'm stuck in a bond trade that's losing money. I've had, I've had a great year on technology and crypto, and having a um, offset some of that in bonds. So I still think bond yields end lower, but there is a risk that they lose control here because of the supply side, and there's not enough liquidity in the bond market right now. And therefore, I, I think that increases the chance of some yield curve control, whether it's like an intervention in the bond market. And we've seen that in the past. It's not uncommon for the US to do. J Japan obviously does it. The UK did it recently as well. So listen, I I, I I think this turns around, but could it squeeze higher first yields? For sure. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. There are complex dynamics here at play. And as you mentioned, uh, always this idea of things that are unfolding along multiple timeframes. So you've got the supply and demand component uh, that could lead to a squeeze higher. And yet, at the same time, there's this longer term view. I mean, right now we're upside down about 75 basis points on twos, tens. And when you look, I don't know if we can bring up the chart, Archer, but we've got the expected three-month average uh, secured overnight financing rate path that just looks continually downward. I mean, if you look at that chart, if you look at the image that we're showing on that screen right now, uh, the expectation of the markets based on futures contracts is clearly for a drift lower. Yeah, so again, it's this issue of the Fed staying as long as possible because they really want to have the complete green light to do what they want, crush inflation expectations. The market knows rates are too high, obviously. So they're saying, listen, you can't do this for long. Right. And they keep, the Fed keeps shunting them along. And this is the higher for longer argument, which has been pretty accurate. Um, and the question is, is how fast does it reverse? And the market never usually forecasts this right. Uh, normally, once they do cut, they cut faster than the, than the, uh, than the um, SOFA curve or the euro dollar curve used to in the past. Uh, so, you know, we have to wait and see. But I, it's all to play for in Q4 for me. All right, so maybe higher for longer, but then also maybe cutting steeper and faster than expected. That's right. That's that's exactly what's in my head. Yeah, it's it's really very interesting. Um, Rao, anything else on fixed income? No, I think those are the main things. I mean, really get much higher than these kind of levels. And we could get kind of an unruly spike. And nobody wants that. The Fed doesn't want it. None of the world's central banks want it, but it will also cement their ability to absolutely crush anything else in terms of inflation, even though there's no inflation in the system anywhere. Um, so I, I kind of think a spike higher in yields actually leads to more cowbell in the end, because you have to somehow control it. Yeah, well, actually, you alluded to that there earlier when you talked about uh, the idea of this potentially having uh, more likelihood increase of yield curve control. Talk a little bit about that. That's an interesting wrinkle. So if rates become unanchored from inflation, economic growth, or anything else, it says there's a structural problem in the market. We know there's massive structural problems in the lending markets because there's too much debt. And if you lose control, the Federal Reserve can't allow loss of control. And don't forget, they're just being downgraded because of the shitty mess that the US is in because of its political impasses and everything else, is if they lose control of the bond market, it just 
that's the world's anchoring asset. It should not be allowed to happen. So in which case, they will come in and stop it. And we saw that in March of 2020. They did the same where rates got ridiculous on the other side going down, just completely all liquidity dried up and the market broke. We have a risk that we could break the market again here, and in which case they will step in and say, we'll have to increase quantitative easing and buy bonds. But you could do it at a fixed price and say, you know, we'll buy all bonds at 4.25% or whatever the number is that they say, look, enough's enough. Ralph, for, for people who are relatively new to this, explain what that means when you say things could break in the bond markets. What would that actually look like? So we know that the regional banks have problems with their bond positions. And if bond yields keep rising, they keep losing money. That makes them illiquid. And with high rates, there's money moving from deposit accounts in banks that are only paying half a percent and moving to money market funds that are paying 5%. So they're losing their deposits and they've got losses here. Every time you take a deposit out, you have to kind of unwind some of the trades, but they're all down. So there's a huge, massive mark-to-market loss that goes on. And they're having to borrow money from the Fed to fund that right now. So in this financing right. facility that's Fed set up. Also, if the bond market breaks, it means that there is not enough participation from the key participants, banks, asset managers, market makers, to keep market liquidity. So prices start gapping around, setting interest rates which were not the intention of the Federal Reserve. And if they're, if they're setting interest rates that were not the intention of the Federal Reserve in a very meaningful way, then it can create problems. So. It is very risky here, um, right. what happens to the bond market. So people need to keep an eye on it. The equity market might not like it either. Even the right. crypto markets may not like it if if yields go up, because that puts pressure on everybody and their borrowing costs. Now, most mortgages in the United States are longer duration. But we've seen credit card financing rise. We've seen um, car leases rise. We've seen all forms of short-term financing rising, corporations rolling over debt if they've got short-term debt, that's going up. And the US government themselves need to fund their bloody debt, right? And they're rolling over all of this debt. And the last thing they want to do is try and roll out 10-year debt at 4.5% when the last time they were paying the interest on it, it was 1.5%. Suddenly, you triple your interest payments, and then you have to borrow more money to, to have the interest payments because the taxation rate's low. It's We've got some dangerous dynamics here, which is why they need to cut rates. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be cynical or reductionist here, but for people who are trying to get their heads around this, it, it almost seems to me like when you, you go to your doctor and you say, hey, you know, the medication you gave me has some side effects. And they say, don't worry, we've got another medication for that, right? I mean, you essentially uh, do all this quantitative easing. Uh, you uh, push uh, rates down far below where they naturally ought to be uh, to try and control inflation. And then you spin up things like uh, reverse repo facilities and interest on excess reserves. It's just there's always another medication to counteract the side effect of the prior. Because at first principles, there's too much debt. And we can't manage it. And we don't have the money to pay for the interest, let alone actually pay off any of the debt. And that's the dirty truth. And we don't have raise enough taxes because economic growth is trending lower over time due to demographics. So you don't have the, the money to pay the interest. You can't pay off the debt. So you're in this trap where you have to, everything is about managing the debt. Right. And 
from 2008 onwards, the number of these ridiculous parts of the plumbing system that got invented to stop that bit broken and that bit broken, that bit broke. It's because the whole bloody thing is broken and we're just trying to tape it up. Which is why, in the end, I saw this coming back from 2008, 2012, is why I got into crypto. I got into crypto for this. You could see that the end game of the debt, and in fact, I've done some videos called the end game, make it impossible to deal with. Now, most people think there's a debt default. I don't think there is a debt default. I just think that the use of central bank balance sheet goes exponential, which increases the cost of assets, but nobody's wages go up. It's like a mutualization of these interest payments across the general population without raising taxes. It's the same thing. But it and by the way, the, the decline in purchasing power. And by the way, the decline in purchasing power in the currency. Yeah. And that's a mutualization of losses amongst everybody. But rich people hold assets, so they're protected. The less well off have incomes. Their incomes don't go up as much as the assets, so they're poorer. So it's that's where we're getting this income disparity. Yeah, wealth and, disparity and it keeps increasing, and it, it's not going to stop for a while. Yeah, and, and you said these words, I think, which are just really so important, which is this idea of first principles, expanding debt, and then you have the challenges with demography and growth that's driving uh, the increase in debt because you aren't able uh, then to you know make it uh, on your earnings, so you borrow more money. Exactly, and even at nation state level, is you borrow more money because you're not getting enough taxes because. The economy is growing slowly because it's an aging population, so its trend rate of GDP growth goes down. Right. So they're all in a trap, and it all kicked off in 2008 when most of the developed world hit 100% of GDP in debt. And then we had a debt jubilee, which was essentially <laughs> debt jubilees are normally you don't need to pay your debts back. The debt jubilee we got in 2008, it only recently made me realize what it was. It's like you don't need to pay the interest. We're going to make interest cost zero. And then after that, we're going to monetize all the interest by printing money. So you don't pay any interest, so we can manage the system. But it has a lot of unintended consequences. Yeah, kind of soft debt jubilee in, in your view. Uh, and then also add to that one more thing, which is the decline in productivity. Yeah, productivity that's generally driven by demographics as well. So, you know, if if GDP growth is driven by the magic formula of population growth plus productivity growth plus debt growth, debt growth reaches limits in 2008. So basically all debt growth now is just interest payments. Um, they issue new bonds to pay the interest. Then you've got um, demographics, which means that population growth over time slows down and in many countries goes negative. So then the only way of driving GDP higher, because your debt to GDP matters for that, the only way of doing it, because GDP is the is all of the income that pays the debt. So GDP growth pays the services, the debt interests. The only way is productivity. And the only way of doing that is technology. Mm. Talking of technology, I just got a message from one of our social media producers that someone has just donated $49, I'm sorry, 49 uh, 99 euro uh, to ask you this question, Ralph. Are you still interested in Solana? Yes, it's still my second largest holding. Uh, I, I really like it. it. Reminds me a lot of ETH in 2018, uh, 18, 19. I think there's a huge amount of activity. I think Tolly has proven himself to be one of the better leaders and thinkers in this space, kind of in the Vitalik mode. 
Um, I think that the developer, de developer activity is great. I think on-chain activity is great. The innovation is great. So there is a probabilistic outcome that it does well. Doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. But so yes, I'm still very interested in Solana. Yeah, and that question comes to us, I should say, by Stephen Weston. Stephen, thank you. Thank you for the $49. I shall buy myself a nice drink. Well, yeah, it'll never say. come to me, so thank you, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, I take Ralph. bribery like this, it's fine. <laughs> uh, here's a question, slightly different, but about uh, technology, innovation, and change. This one comes to us from Edwin on the Real Vision website. What is the status of the carbon trade? Oh, so looking at it now, it's just chopping around. Now, what's annoying is the California version has exploded higher. There's a UK version that's exploding higher. The European one has been chopping around now for, I'm looking at the chart, basically since January, it's gone nowhere. I think it's just building and building and building, coiling for the next leg higher. Um, and I think, you know, 2024 is prob uh, probably too early in the trade, even though we've not lost money. I've been up in it, um, small amounts. I think 2024 is the year that potentially doubles or more. Interesting. But California is ripping. Here, here's a question from Ralph on the Real Vision website. Oh, boy, this is a really interesting one. Does Ralph have any thoughts on the Japanese and Indian stock markets? Boy, talk about two countries at opposite ends of the Asian spectrum. Yeah, of the demographic spectrum, for sure. Yeah. I think the Japanese stock market is being driven by yield curve control and a bunch of other things. I have not been involved. Um, but, you know, it's had a decent year. It's up 24.5% uh, in yen terms. The Indian stock market has always been one of my favorites. Not had a great year so far. Uh, emerging markets, because the dollar's been established, been weaker originally. It needs a weaker mar uh, dollar for it to really do well. So. If the dollar weakens, India should start to pick up. Uh, and as rates come down, India should do better as well. So India is, I think, a good story, a very good story. It's my favorite demographic player in the world, also a technological um, innovation story. Um, and so I like it a lot, um, but it just feels like emerging markets aren't yet fully ready in the cycle, but it's coming very soon. So I think we'll see some big gains from some of these. Uh, we're just talking about this this radically different uh, outlook from a secular perspective of Japan versus India. Yes. So Japan has massive debts, a shrinking population. So how do they get out of the GDP trap? They can't without a massive productivity miracle. What they have been doing is excessive use of the balance sheet to manage the debt situation. And yield curve control has been one of their key mechanisms. As they've been doing yield curve control, their stock market's gone up. What the mechanism of that is, is, is the debasement of currency idea. So Japan has done pretty well. Um, and I don't know the structure of the Japanese economy and how it benefits as well. I'm sure there's more reasons. Again, I've not really been involved. Um, India, 1.4 billion people, average age of 28 with a massive infrastructure spending, complete overhaul of railways, roads, airports, energy, everything. A whole structure of money, the banking system, everything is being overhauled. So it's a hell of a story. And so they should have structurally higher growth over time. 
they do have structurally higher inflation. Young populations, if you remember the US in the 70s, had higher inflation. As the, as the population matures somewhat, inflation comes down and then you get the real kind of demographic tailwind. So India should be a good story this decade, decade and a hell of a story next decade. Here's a question from Claudio on the Real Vision website. Boy, this is a question that has a lot of th threads. Thoughts on Apple versus Ledger and Solana. I see Solana has a phone and Ledger has a wallet and Apple has the network and is working with Goldman. What's your take on whether Solana outperforms Apple or does Apple just keep going? So mixing and mashing here, traditional so uh, capital markets and crypto. Apple is up 65% this year and Solana is up 150%. Crypto assets are more volatile. So in a bull market, they will go up more. Risk adjusted, Apple's probably been a better bet than Solana risk adjusted this year. But I don't look in a risk adjusted world. It's like if I'm going to put my thousand bucks on one bet to make the money, which is how I think about these kind of trades, um, I would have taken Solana, which I did. Although I've got trade recommendations for uh, pro macro for long Apple, and it's been a phenomenally good trade. Hey, Rob, talk a little bit about what you said there in terms of asset allocation. You say for these kinds of trades, how do you think about these buckets in your head uh, in terms of the high growth, high risk aspect of your portfolio? So I'm 100% high growth, high risk. Never used to be. But I've got income. And I've also seen what I think is the biggest macro setup of all time, which is the exponential age meets crypto meets quantitative easing. Those are so explosive, and I think it repeats over the next few years, that I want to have all of my excess savings in that, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to me. Now, and that's that's proven out. I've been that same way since 2020, and it's it's been very well. I'm still up huge amounts in my crypto positions. Technology positions I only started last year. Uh, they're all up a lot. Let's see, you know, if I can if I can stay on the ball and and it works out. But that's my thesis. Right. Your thesis may differ. Uh, that's my thesis, and I have an income stream, so I'll use it that way. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, houses paid for and stuff like that. So I have to right. worry about less about the future part of that. Um, other people, if you're much younger, then that asset allocation makes sense, because if you're buying a 401k, then your excess savings should be in taking huge risk. As long as you've got security around, you know, where you live, your job and your maybe your 401k investments as your retirement future. But then you can take risk. People in the middle wouldn't do that. I would be much more risk averse. Yeah, obviously important to point out that individual objectives, risk factors are going to differ. So this is something that you're talking right. about your perspective. Uh, but you also said it there, Ralph, so people don't misunderstand. When you say you're 100%, you're talking about your liquid assets. Obviously, you own businesses, you own real estate, you have other assets. So it's not 100% uh, in higher yield. High not risk. of my net worth or whatever that, no, of my liquid right. available capital. So if I've got capital available for keeping in a bank account or investing or doing other stuff with, all of that is is in in high risk assets, um, and that's not for everybody. Yeah, that's not. I explained why is because I've got security of assets for my future security, and I've got security of income. So therefore, if I want to take a larger speculative bet, I can because I think the opportunity set 
is outsized. And as I said, if you're younger, you can take a risk because you've got plenty of time. If you lose some of that capital, if it all goes wrong, you've got time to do that. So young people should take risk. It's the middle stage, that kind of 40 to 60. It really depends on your own setup, where you are, where you are on your life journey. You know, don't go for the Hail Mary trade and hope it works out because that doesn't work. You need to structure these things. So you structure your life as a portfolio. Uh, but if you're in the middle there, you structure your portfolio really carefully as well. Okay, here's an interesting big picture question from Crypto Bull God on YouTube. Raul, how do you believe the metaverse will be born? Do we need Unreal Engine style graphics and cryptocurrencies for creating an in-game economy to be used? So I don't believe in that version of the metaverse. I believe everything where we live our digital life is the metaverse. I believe Zoom is a version, early version of metaverse. I think there are some with avatars and some with digitized humans, some with AI, some with not. Some are game-like economies, some are um, AR versions of the world like Apple are building, some are more VR versions which um, which Facebook is building, and all of these become our digital experiences. That's all it is. It's the manifestation of all of the component parts of the internet. I don't think there's a snow-crashed, you know, one world where we all live in a game-like environment. I don't think anybody wants to do that. But it is this over, overall, o, overall digitized space that we live where the separation between physical and digital really evaporates. So I think every trend that we see around us is doing this and accelerating it. And therefore, we need blockchain to be able to, if we're living more in the digital world than the physical world, which most of us are nowadays because we're living so much online, right. then we need a system of payment store of value because everything in a digital world, you can create infinite amounts of. And that makes everything worth zero. So think of cloud storage and all of this kind of stuff, music, all of it. So the only way of securing value in an excess supply world is creating scarcity. And that's what blockchain does. So then we can move assets, interoperable assets. You know, these are problems we've got to solve. And that's not quick. You know, moving whatever you've got in the in the meta um, Facebook world, moving across to the Apple world. Well, are they going to allow you to do that? Are they not? So then people, do they build new opportunities where you can have <clears throat> interoperability? It's all to play for, but this is a kind of next 20 years to play out. You know, and, and also that sort of begs the question about what's going to happen from a regulatory perspective, because obviously right now we live in this world where it's very, uh, if you go back 20 years, what is a security, what isn't a security? It's relatively clear that had been established here in the U.S. in the 1930s, elaborated on in the 1940s with the Howey test and others. But we're getting to this point where technology is starting to blur those distinctions and how that itself hashes out from a regulatory perspective, also a very much a, a big open question. The problem is, is US regulation is run by a bunch of baby boomers who only reference the past. We have to rebuild laws from first principles around this new world. Like we have to figure out how to deal with AI. We have, we've got a lot of really existentially important things that can't be just shoehorned into something from the 1930s because that's how a boomer wants it to be. We need to rewrite all of this stuff. And other governments are doing it, and the US is not. Um, but it will get forced to. Whether it's the power of the people, 
or just the politicians are so old now that they'll be replaced by younger people. Yeah, here's one that comes to us on exactly this point from JW2 Waterman on the Real Vision website. It looks like Bitcoin ETFs won't get approved anytime soon, talking about regulatory stuff. What does Raul think is the next catalyst for Bitcoin? I don't know when the um, BlackRock ETF comes. I mean, it's just a ludicrous waste of everybody's energy, this, you know, the, the slowness of the SEC in approving stuff. But... We'll look back in a year's time. It won't matter what date it was. The next catalyst of Bitcoin could be anything. I have no idea. It could be the Fed cutting rates. It could be the bond market losing control and people wanting that. It could be anything. But I just, I'm just not a short-term guy, you know. The last time I traded crypto was January when I was adding. I added in June, October, and January. I just don't trade it. I just buy it and hold it and observe. And just everybody gets so wound up about prices the easiest thing is just buy the stuff, stick it in your ledger, just not do anything. It's a lot less stressful as well, particularly if you're not using leverage. It's so easy. Here's another question about short-term catalysts for you, Ralph. Uh, Brandon on the Real Vision website wants to know, why do you think the California carbon ETF has moved so high, so fast, and Europe has not? I don't know. A good friend of mine hit me up about this the other day. He's been He's been talking about this trade for a while at Global Macro Investor, my kind of research firm. He's been talking about this as the great opportunity, and I, I missed it. <laughs> He's a really smart trader as well. Uh, I missed it. I don't know, but I, my guess is that you know because these are all driven by regulation and forcing people into carbon allowances. So something there is causing the supply demand imbalance. I mean, we know Europe works the same way, but it comes in fits and starts. Yeah. Rao, we've covered an incredible amount of ground here today. I, I, you know, you need to try and do final thoughts and key takeaways. We've talked about so much. Uh, big picture, Rao, what would you like to leave our viewers with? Big picture to me remains the same, is that I know everybody's tempted to look at interest rates now and inflation now and then try and make decisions about their assets and their investments. Macro and crypto is included in that. It's actually about living in the future. People are saying, well, there's going to be a recession. Look what happened. That was all priced in last year. You don't get an 80% bear market in equities, 70, in um, crypto, and a 70% bear market in growth equities just for no reason. That was the recession being priced. This is the recovery being priced. So the future world has lower interest rates. The future world probably has quantitative easing. The future world probably has GDP growth recovering. So you're supposed to be short equities then or long equities when you live in future world. You need to invest in future world to make money. Yeah, Ra, as we're talking about key takeaways here, one of the things that I feel very comfortable saying I'm unequivocally bullish about is the technology that we're developing at Real Vision, the Real Vision 2.0 platform, something I'm excited about, something you're excited about, something that a lot of us at Real Vision are excited about, and that's going to be coming out, uh, I believe, in the next month or so. We don't know the exact date yet because it's still very much a work in progress. As we leave this conversation, final thoughts about what's happening on the Real Vision platform and the direction it's going to move the Real Vision community. Look, we explained on this show what we're trying to do. We're trying to take people from just getting information to turning it into knowledge and then creating wisdom. 
that is the same journey essentially that we are creating via the idea of knowledge times tools times network equals success. We, the new Real Vision platform will give you everything you need to grow and to increase the chances of the success that you want, how you define it. And people watching this who are watching this for free, you can get in now before we close the whole thing um, and you'll the opportunity to participate in what we're doing is a great one and it's $20.14. 2014 is when we started Real Vision. So just sign up, you get the free trial. It's an incredible, oh, the free trial, the $20 um, three month uh, subscription. I promise you it'll be the best $20 you have ever spent. Finally, the other way of getting into the Real Vision community and participating is the Real Vision Collective. That comes, you can play the game that I will. Is ETH gonna go up by year end and can I get part of a special prize? That um, um, NFT, great artwork, gives you a great community, a lot of fun to be had. That's, um, that's the other one, that's uh, 0.069 ETH, what, 125 bucks. I mean, it's, you get crazy value and the option, and the option, the, the opportunity potentially to participate in a big prize if it goes up. And yeah, and there you can see the artwork. It's just cool. It's fun. You know, life is sometimes not fun in finance, but life in NFT and Web3 is fun. <laughs> Ralph, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Ash. And uh, good luck, everyone. We'll see you again. We're not dropping crypto programming. We're just embedding it in everything so you get more value out of it all. So you'll see a lot more from us in really interesting ways. That's it for today. Make sure to check out our website where you can sign up for the Real Vision Essential Membership for just $20.14 again for three months at realvision.com forward slash last chance. That's realvision.com forward slash last chance. By the way, here's what we got in store for you next week on our pro crypto platform. Beth Kindig will be interviewing Mark Yusko on Monday. On Wednesday, Elaine Lee will speak with the head of the Web3 Foundation. On Thursday, I'll interview the chief legal officer at Ripple. That's going to be a fun one. And Peter Pinkasoff will be back with the latest technical trader. That's it. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend, everybody. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.